Welcome to Designing the Future. My name is Michael Alba. I'm the senior editor at engineering.com. And joining us today on the program is Phil Kinane, the vice president of sales at Consol, which is known for their multi-physics simulation software. Phil has a PhD in electrochemical engineering and a background in industrial electrolysis. Phil, thanks so much for joining us on the program. And let me start by asking, how did you get involved in simulation? Yeah, so um, I, I got involved, um, uh, I suppose, more or less directly after I did my PhD. I was doing simulation as part of that um, on electrochemical applications. And, uh, and as it was, uh, my supervisor um, happened to be uh, recruited by the console company, which I also work for. And he took me along basically one month after he joined. And I've been here uh, ever since at console. And um, it's every day has been a challenge. There's never been a boring day. And, and so I love it. So you've been at console now for 20 years. How have you seen simulation evolve in that time? I've seen it evolve from going from, um, I mean, simulation with respect to what we do within simulation, which is uh, traditionally known as finite element analysis and, and the like. Uh, it, it's been around since uh, the first uh, major software, which is more or less built by NASA. But at the time, and maybe for the first 30 or 40 years or so of, of that type of computational simulation, um, you sort of built the, uh, the software or you built the algorithms or, or whatever that are going to be simulating your application based on the application. So if it was a structural mechanics application, uh, you built software that would be good at solving structural mechanics phenomena. Uh, you know, and fluid dynamics was uh, a, a bit of a different phenomena. And so you used other types of methods or other types of algorithms in order to be able to simulate that. Um, I think when I came on board was more or less when people started to realize that, uh, that you know, physics phenomena wasn't singular, that, that uh, lots of different phenomena affected each other. And so you needed to be able to take into consideration the fact that one type of physics is affecting another one, which in turn could, you know, affect the first one again. So um, that's sort of the whole concept of multiphysics. So in the 20 years uh, that I've been involved in the industry, I think uh, a large part of it has been based around the fact that you try and include as many different uh, environmental effects or things that are described by different mathematical equations or physics uh, as exists in reality so that you can get more and more accuracy with respect to the simulations that, that, that you are doing. Another thing that has been occurring, say, in the last 10 years is that um, the industry has been trying to take the the world of simulation from, uh, you know, the experts, the PhDs, the the guys who sit in the strange little offices with full of lots of books and so forth, and actually try and introduce it to a, a much lighter or a larger audience, so that um, uh, you know engineers on the factory floor, for example, should be also should be able to do. Uh, simulation, or, or your basic CAD design engineer should be able to do it. So that, that's a uh, that's a phenomenon that's um, I've seen also occur now in the last ten years. So that's a trend that we often hear referred to as democratization, and uh, I know your company is involved in that. So you say you can bring it from the analysts to the design engineers, even to marketing and sales. But in your estimation, how far is this movement going to go? I mean, is you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, is the average consumer going to be able to pull out their smartphone and open up the simulation app and get meaningful insight into their everyday lives? 
I think um, I think it could go in two different directions if if we're going to go to that level. So sure, your average consumer may be able to pull up a an app, um, but they possibly wouldn't even know that simulation is occurring in the background. Um, alternatively, you know, it, it could be used to the extent where it starts showing up in high school or, you know, in 11th grade, 10th grade, uh, as as a way of teaching physics to to uh, to students um, by being able to sort of present um, a phenomenon uh, as a changing phenomenon. You know, this is what happens when you heat this, or this is what happens when air flows past uh, that, like an airplane wing, and so forth. So, uh, and then, you know, the students won't be sophisticated enough to understand that there are algorithms and boundary conditions and, and all that type of stuff, meshing um, and so forth that are involved. And so they would, um, you know, you, you, you would be able to see that, they, that you could hide a lot of this actual complex simulation in the background to that extent. Another way in which I see it sort of, maybe 10, 15 years is, is, is involving simulation with actual uh, physical devices. So that um, uh, if we take something, say, from the medical industry, uh, and, you know, it's a rather complicated device that's doing a, a medical uh, procedure, um, if, if simulation can be done on the fly, on the spot, so that whoever's running that device um, can actually get a much uh, accurate sort of uh, uh, analysis of what's happening, say, in a, in a person's body and can get a much accurate, more accurate um, application of that device to that person's body so that it, uh, that it causes less damage or that it actually finds uh, whatever it is that it's trying to find, like maybe, you know, a piece of cancer or something along those lines. Um, then I see simulation applications just sitting in a, in a piece of equipment and, and there, once again, it's not going to look like your average simulation software does now. It's going to look like um, part of the whole control mechanism of that device. So this is almost touching on another trend that we see in simulation and in design software in general, and that's the concept of a digital twin. Now, the digital twin is pretty hyped up, um, and I'm wondering, what's your opinion on, on that? Is it overhyped? Is the hype deserved? And what role will simulation play in getting digital twins out into practical use? It's not something that we uh, currently sort of put a lot of um, uh, effort into because um, not, not so much that it's hyped up too much. It's just that maybe it's a little bit too early in, in, its, in its concept because the, in order to get a, 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 an accurate enough model or simulation of a certain application, particularly if it's a, if it's a real application that's going to be occurring out there, say, as I was saying, like on the operation floor, um, you don't want to sort of like sacrifice accuracy for speed. And so uh, you sort of like want to be able to take a step back and make sure that um, uh, whatever the simulation is telling you feels right and maybe you need to test a couple of other scenarios and so forth before you base any of your you know, future actions and so forth or designs or whatever it is that you're doing on uh, on simulation results. because you know, a piece of software and an algorithm just does exactly as you tell it to do. And, and if you put in, say, for example, the wrong inputs, you don't want the outputs, you know, acting immediately, uh, creating chaos or doing stuff that you actually weren't actually planning because you may have made a mistake on putting in the inputs. So um, 
Uh, yeah, I do see that the digital twin thing can be something for the future, uh, but I also see that it also needs to be incorporated with the number of sort of stops and and um, uh, ways in, in in you know to make sure that that whatever it is that's going to be based upon your simulation, uh, you know, if if some if things go wrong, then you can recognize it before they actually do go wrong. <laughs> if I could say it in that way. Now you talk about the trade-off between accuracy and speed, which I'm sure you deal with on a daily basis. One of the things that might be changing how you deal with that trade-off is the advent of high-performance computing and cloud computing. How do you see these technologies as changing the way engineers will use simulation in the future? High-performance computing, of course, is has many advantages. And the biggest is, of course, that you can uh, access a large number of processes that work in parallel and therefore you can build much larger models that have much greater fidelity and can be far more accurate and maybe even throw in a, an extra physics there that should be considered but um, uh, but its effect to towards the actual application is is minimal compared to other physics but of course it's there so it should be considered uh, so in in that respect um, uh, if we're talking about size, if we're talking about the accuracy of what your simulation, then, of course, high-performance computing is, is an important thing. Um, but <clears throat> I, I don't see it as sort of like uh, the whole world being hooked up to, uh, you know, to an Uber cluster where all simulations for the whole world are going to be run because um, simulations aren't necessarily big in other words, a lot of the simulation work that you do, a lot of the work that, a, that an engineer will do is conceptual or requires understanding. So you need to understand what it is that you're working, and, and a simulation can help you make the, you know, achieve that understanding. Or if you have a new idea, you just want to like take some fairly simple um, parameters, such as a simple geometry or some simple operating conditions, you don't have to consider every possible geometric um, uh, feature and so forth, just to understand that this is a good idea, let's follow this, let's start looking for some money to invest in a project based on that. And uh, and I don't think you, you want to be sort of like um, trying to connect up to some HPC unit with, with all of that happening just for something that's, um, you know, you, you could be sitting on an aeroplane, for example, and got nothing else to do. And so, you know, you play around with a model for 30 minutes. So the HPC is very important. Of course it is. It's important for many, many different industries like data and, and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but it's, it's not really a, a, a replacement for, uh, you know, sort of conceptual and, and, and the actual knowledge and so forth that you're imparting to us to a certain simulation that can in turn uh, result in, in something that is useful or something that you should discard. So as you say, there's a lot of industries who are using simulation in a lot of different ways. Some of them may need HPC, some of them may not. Are there any industries or areas in general that you feel aren't currently util utilizing simulation as effectively as they could be? I think uh, it all comes down to your tr traditional education, so uh, particularly within the technical field, of course. I was originally a chemical engineer. Uh, chemical engineers uh, don't ha did not have the same sort of background or traditional um, past with respect to uh, simulating things that are that are affect chemical engineering uh, 
possibilities, mostly because uh, whatever it is that a chemical engineer would be wanting to simulate is actually rather complicated compared to someone who's working with structural mechanics. Now we've come past that hump, and so chemical engineers at university are more or less expected to be able to perform some type of simulation, maybe not as much as a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer. Uh, but then when we start talking about the more natural sciences out there where um, the, the tradition has been heavily slanted towards uh, experiment, so your biological sciences or your life sciences, uh, that is an area where I think simulation could really help a lot and actually cut down a lot on um, some of the work that they do uh, in order to, to achieve the results they need. So instead of, you know, performing a hundred different experiments on whatever this piece of bacteria, then maybe they could use simulation and perform only 10 of those experiments and extrapolate the data from those experiments to a thousand different possibilities instead. So I see that um, HPC, yeah, sure, it's, it's a tool, but it's actually the software itself and the, and the fact that you are going to move into simulation, uh, I, I think, is, is the biggest um, uh, quantum leap for a number of those industries. And most, most of them actually, I think, uh, revolve around the life sciences. So even, you know, we even have medical doctors now that use our software um, you know, to sort of model dialysis and stuff like that, where, you know, you, there isn't very many um, uh, educational programs at universities out there where uh, you, you'd get all your doctoral students or your medical students sitting down, you know, learning simulation 101. So it, it's, it, I think there's, a, there's a, a lot of fertile ground there for, uh, for those types of industries to use simulation. So what's it going to take from the software side to make that quantum leap? Is it developing new algorithm, algorithms, uh, improving the solvers? Uh, what, what does it take for a company like Comsol to get to that point? I think it takes uh, a mixture of, of everything. So we, we, um, we, we do improvements to our algorithms, which can cut down on um, uh, the time required for a, a simulation by you know, fairly large factors, by 30%, by 50% sometimes. Um, so mathematically, there, there's still a, a lot there that you can play around with that would um, help uh, sort of um, bring up simulation and make it more useful for uh, a large number of people. Um, but I, I look more towards um, uh, apps. So uh, in, in this, in this uh, image here, for example, where we're looking at what a traditional model is when you're using console multiphysics, and you can see that there's quite a lot of different components and, and so forth involved in it. And um, it's hard enough becoming an expert in, in, your, in your field, uh, such as medical engineering or something like that, um, that if you also have to be an expert in the software, it, it's, it's almost uh, too big an ask. Uh, but if you have a few key people who understand the software and are able to translate what it is that's required to be simulated by the software, and then in turn, as, as I'm showing in this image now, uh, then in turn um, uh, produce like an, uh, an app that's very easy to understand that, um, that has uh, the input fields which are able to be understand by people without any simulation background at all, but who of course know their field of, of industry rather well, uh, then, you know, the whole sort of um, threshold of, of being able to perform simulation because you 
have to know the software is is removed and so 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 that's where i feel that um you know the biggest uh, that there there's a lot of room there for a lot of people to be able to make use of simulation uh, purely because they've they've never even thought that they could do it and one of the concerns that I see about this democratization, about putting simulation in the hands of people who aren't experts, is that they may not be able to ascertain when the results don't make sense. So they may, that may lead them to make errors that they wouldn't make if they were an expert analyst. How do you respond to those types of concerns? Yeah, so once again, uh, people need to understand that, uh, that, uh, that simulation isn't um, necessarily reality. <laughs> So you should always sort of test your results. You should always test your models. You should always test your simulations. Uh, but you can sort of, if 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 it passes certain tests, then you can say that the that the simulation, the software, is working as it should. And so you should be able to trust uh, many similar types of simulations that are working off of different uh, values or, or or parameters or or producing different results according to. Uh, different circumstances, but are rather similar to the one that you tested. But, but on the other hand, uh, sometimes there are situations where you can't test it. So you can't test really a nuclear bomb anymore, or you can't test um, uh, a catastrophic sort of uh, explosion in, in, a, in a chemical reactor or, and so forth. So you, you do sort of have to understand that there is um, some sort of... Uh, uh, what, what, what can I say, error, if you like, or, or some tolerance and so forth that you should accept. Uh, and maybe you should build that chemical reactor so that your simulation is covered plus or minus 50% or 200% or whatever, depending on how catastrophic the explosion could be. So in some circumstances, uh, that, that quality analysis, if you like to call it, is impossible. And you're actually going to have to rely on you know, the, the masters of mathematics and physics from the 18s and 1700s that, that their equations do work. <laughs> Are there any other technologies out there on the horizon, for example, quantum computing or artificial intelligence, that you think will fundamentally change how we approach simulation? Uh, if I was to take quantum computing first, uh, I don't necessarily know. I'm, I'm not an expert in it, so I don't exactly know how it how it works in comparison to, um, you know, silicon chips. But um, if, if it all comes down to, you know, I'm going to use a nerdy term here, flops, the, the, the number of computations and the speed with which those computations can be performed, if that can be increased, of course, it's going to help simulation because it means that you can do, you can get uh, even, you know, you can refine your, your simulation and your models uh, to a much finer level and, and increase that accuracy that, that I was talking about. Um, so if, if, the, if the computers are built in that way, sure. Um, but as I said, I'm, I'm not 100% sure in how quantum computing would relate to um, the type of computations that, that we are required to do. Uh, on the other hand, artificial intelligence um, is... I can see it being sort of relevant when it comes to, say, optimization. So uh, you've you've uh, developed a um, you know uh, basically a, a design that's more or less what your company is going to invest in, and um, and now all you need to do is really fine tune it. So you need to decide you know within the millimeter where a hole is meant to go, or what type of thread you're meant to be using, or uh, you know, do you use this uh, size of fillet or that size of fillet? 
So uh, with artificial intelligence, I think maybe not, not that we've looked at it or, or done anything in, of significance, and I don't know if anyone really has, but I, I can see it sort of like helping the whole optimization process uh, because it, it can learn from the previous simulation and, and maybe get towards that optimized solution uh, quicker. <clears throat> um, but once again, you know, simulation is concept, it's understanding. And, you know, there's your intelligence is going to be a, a lot more useful there than something artificial. So, Phil, I have one last question for you, and this one's a bit more sci-fi. But in light of our discussion, maybe it's not so sci-fi. Now, there's this postulate that the universe we're living in may itself be a simulation. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, that came out of left field. Um, I, I suppose uh, it, it could be a simulation. Um, but uh, I think it would be a, a lot more complicated than just a computational simulation because I think there's um, so many um, unknowns uh, involved that uh, I think it's more of an experiment than a simulation. It's more of a biological sort of, uh, you know, like like watching um, like an ant farm or something like that instead of trying to simulate it. Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a fascinating discussion. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And thanks to you for watching. We'll see you next time on Designing the Future.